Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Room Escape Divas, your podcast for everything Room Escapes. Today's episode, Behind the Puzzles for the Cryptex Hunt. I'm your guest host for today, David Spira from RoomEscapeArtist.com, along with your regular hosts, Manpans and Errol. Hello! I can show you a world Shiny, pixely, splendid Tell me, princess, now when did you last love the game you played? I can open your eyes 3D graphics are wonder Watch me as I fight and plunder When I do this raid A virtual world With many different camera views You get to play a role Maybe taunt a troll It's really not demeaning A virtual world It's baffling This is what you choose Now that I see it here It's crystal clear I won't go to this virtual world with you It's not so bad Just look what you because we have a whole whack of people on. Yeah, we have uh, we have Justin Nevins, the Cryptex maker. We have Woo-hoo! Dan Egnor and Darren Miller, who have all contributed to the Prexit hunt. And that means there's like six of us on here, so it's going to be pretty chaotic. And so it's great that David Spira is on because he's going to keep us organized. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm, I'm even going to hit mute on me right now. All right, so we're going to start off with uh, talking with Justin, and uh, cu- you know, let's let's get a little bit of a recap of uh, you know what Justin talked to us. What's the Cryptex hunt? Well, the Cryptex hunt was something that um, I don't know who was all there, but I was kind of joking about uh, Christmas carols and how we could make Cryptex carols, and I had made the comment that um, there should be a, a, a holiday, like Cryptex Day. And uh, someone said, well, when is it going to be? And I said, March 1st, because um, that was the first day that I made a Cryptex back in 2004. 
So I proclaimed that March 1st would, for here on out, be uh, International Cryptex Day. And uh, I decided to make it international, because if you're going to create a holiday, you know, dream big. So uh, I, I made it International Cryptex Day. And then, uh, of course, um, Errol said, you should make a puzzle hunt for Cryptex Day. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. And then immediately he says, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I was like, okay, cool. So, um... He did. He he started or, organizing this. It got a bunch of people in. Um, he got uh, Dan Egnar and Darren Miller and Man Pants, of course, and and Stripe <laughs> or David Lewis, <laughs> as some people know him. Um, and we all worked really hard to get that this that thing done. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm Man Pants. I know. <laughs> What is your real name? So, so, so basically what you're saying is this this kind of snowballed, mm-hmm. and then a, a dragon mm-hmm. breathed a lot of fire over that snowball. Yeah, it, it just kind of started out as us joking around on, um, on uh, um, Slack, and um, it just seemed like a really good idea, and we just kind of went with it, and uh, it turned out to be really fun, a lot of work, but really fun, and I think we really accomplished something very cool. How many people ended up getting involved in all of this? design development testing everything like that i'd say probably seven or eight people that were really like core contributors um you had you know um you know errol and and dan and um david who wrote a lot of the puzzles and then um later alex um uh, scrabble 350 for those of you only know him by his his uh whatever that's, name. that's another person who i didn't actually know how to name i just called him scrabble yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, those guys all contributed puzzles, and then Manpans was um, like the hint queen. She just provided support and hints to everybody and kind of did all the email connections and the Twitter stuff and uh, really helped out with that. I, I tried to help out as much as I could, but I, my, my job was mostly make the Cryptexes and the prizes and things like that. Um, I ran into some production problems with the Cryptex factory um, right about the time that this thing was starting to culminate in its completion, so I had to step away from it for a while and luckily these guys you know not that they needed my help anyway but (laughs) they really um picked it up and just ran with it and i'd just come home every night after a long day of trying to fix cryptexes and uh, find they've just done an amazing amazing job these guys are dedicated uh volunteers that i i i I don't know how to thank them so much for what they've done and uh, i know you were having some problems with the laminate for your uh regular (laughs) for your regular models is that that been all resolved yet yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much. I've got, I've actually got some stable laminate for right now. I'm missing one of the colors that I really need badly, but um, that's in the works. And I know a lot of the people are probably sick and tired of like the laminate updates. I, every day I would come and go, "Here's the laminate update. I don't have any." You know, <laughs> today's laminate update. <laughs> we still don't have any. Finally got some laminate, but it failed, and so that was really kind of a nightmare for me. And I, I that was just really stressful. And and then throw on top of that all the cryptex hunt stuff and and the the stuff that happened with the finale. Uh, the first finale, and it was pretty tough. But we'll, we'll, um, we'll get to that all soon. But I'm glad. Yeah. To, I am glad to hear that your production is uh, back up and running, or at least most of the way. So I have one one more question for you about the hunt, and that was um, there was a a dragon motif that kind of ran throughout all of this. What was the story there? Well, we were. It was. I think it was me and Darren were sitting there talking about cryptexes and how. Um, there's there's basically five separate colors that I have, which is black, white, red, 
um, green and blue, and it was just kind of coincidental. I don't know who mentioned it first. I think Darren might have mentioned it first. He said, oh, that's like, you know, Tiamat, the, the chromatic dragon from Dungeons and Dragons, each of those colors. And I go, that's cool. And then and I was like, yeah, I should make a cryptex like that where it's got all the different five colors on there. And, and then we were trying to think of a name, and it took us a while, and we finally came up with the name Prexit, which, if you haven't noticed, if you rearrange the letters uh, for, for cryptex, it spells Prexit. And um, so we went with that for the name of the dragon that was going to be part of this. And it, it, um, it's really cool how that happened. Awesome. So um, how about we uh, talk to Errol a little bit about uh, some, some of uh, the construction of this game? Hello! I took my mute off. Ah. Yeah, welcome back to your show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's exciting to be on here. So, how did we end up with a free, massive puzzle hunt? Because I have to be honest with you, when Cryptex, when the Cryptex hunt was announced, and it was, you know, I, I heard who was involved, and I was like, okay, this will be cool. I wasn't personally prepared for the size and scale of all of this. So, so. Yeah, why free? I wanted to do a puzzle hunt after my last puzzle hunt. And usually what I like to do is I like to make, I like to try new things. I like to go bigger. I like to do things that are epic. And I rarely charge for these things because I don't know if anybody would want to do it. So, so I was really excited that that Justin wanted to do a puzzle hunt. Well, he didn't want to. I told him he wanted to do it. And then he provided prizes. So that's amazing. And then I thought, well, if it's going to be a, a big prize, like Justin was promising, I, I'm going to be as epic as I possibly can. And I, re- and I had the idea of having it all in a mud back in 2015. And so I did do a lot of research on how to program that. Well, not program, how to alter the program that already existed. And it's like 10 years of Java code. So it was pretty... It was pretty hectic and 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 hard but i wanted to do this because i thought it'd be cool to have an environment similar to ready player one where everybody would log in and then there would be puzzles hidden in this virtual world and i thought that'd be really neat to make and justin was an excuse to do it and i didn't want to make anybody pay for this uh, because i figured you know i mean I was I didn't want to go for a client that cost money and I didn't want to worry about things like that so that's why I settled on a mud because I figured that was the lowest common denominator that everybody could go on and and as uh, as Justin also wanted it to be available to as many people as possible and so you know making it free seemed like the best way to get people on board that makes sense to me. And uh, in terms of the scale and epicness, you uh, definitely achieved that. I know that uh, Lisa and I were kind of dumbfounded when we first entered the mud and realized how large it was and the scope and scale of everything in the game. It's true. I do admit that when people were complaining about the instruction manual first, and I'm thinking in my head, oh, dear, you have no idea what's coming up next then. <laughs> I, I have to be honest, I never read the instruction manual. Oh, that's okay. It it it's the instruction manual is important because it does tell a lot of useful commands that everybody was asking us in the mud. But that's okay. We I expected that. There was only the one page for them to read through and I tried to point that out so that people wouldn't uh start worrying like, oh no, what do I do? It's just you know, that page eight was the important page. Yeah, I remember Lisa read the entire manual because she also solved the the puzzle that was in it. And when we logged into the 
in, into the mud, I just started moving around. I was like, I've, I've done this before. I, I got it. And then we solved the first puzzle in the Hall of Heroes. And I, I said to Lisa, I said, um, did it say anything about how to unlock a cryptex? Because that's... <laughs> That hasn't been a challenge I had to deal with in the previous mud. <laughs> How long did it take to create this this beast? Well, it it, it took a bit. So, the, as I said before, I started in 2015 just to get used to how to program and how the mud worked. And back then, I didn't have an idea that I wanted to use a cryptex. So, I... I think I used made just like punching in a number would open up a box. So I made like a, a, a lockout safe. There you go. I hate those things. And yet I made one. <laughs> and so I made like a numb keypad and then uh, I would be able to and I attached it to doors and I even tried to attach it to lights. So lights turned on. And so I wanted to do something like that. And then I would implement puzzles in it. And then I after doing all that research, uh, I dropped it because I think I got involved in a lot of my other escape events that I do. And then I came back to it in 2015. And because I lost all that code, I had to recode it again. But at least I was familiar with how the mud sort of worked. And I was able to code in a cryptex. And then and then while that was going on, um, I invited, at the very beginning, I invited some puzzle creators with me because I knew that we only had three months. And so I would spend. I was going to spend a lot of time trying to get everything coded into the mud. So I, bought, I invited Stripe. I invited David Lewis so that he could help out with the coding as well. And and then DK Miller became com, uh, familiar with it. And then I also invited Egner and Darren so that they could also create the puzzles. And so it did take in total about three months. So you did. You really did this in three months. Um, did the how much of the world existed did you make that all from scratch or was there some template so there is a template there is the midgard template so all of those p all the npcs you see in there are 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 of original midgard and so you know you'll have the you'll have the the trainers you have all the dogs and cats that are roaming around the city you have the beggars and the bard and the town crier all of those are part of the original game and then all the all the rpg elements and then all the puzzle areas we created and then and, and then i had to alter the the midgard map so that it fit our puzzles as well so all the temples i rearranged i had to put in the cryptex shop and then all the pillars that went around with it and then i also and and, and I also changed the map a little bit because I realized when I built the, I have a map and I made it in Photoshop. And when I made that map in Photoshop, I just noticed that the streets were arranged in a way that looked like uh, a, a, um, the Nazi symbol, sadly. And so I changed it so that, and I had to change all the streets around so that it didn't look like that. Cause it was like, oh, just so obviously that. And people would think it was horrible and I didn't want to get that into that problem. So I changed that around. That was probably a really good call. Cause uh, I know also, you know, because puzzlers were going to be in here, they are going to be reading into every detail anyway. Yes, yes, definitely so. And and then I think and then later on in the game because I also played the game while I was being a normal um, administrator because I wanted to see how people could 
hack the game. So, you know, in the game, there are thieves. And if you are a high enough level, you could pick the cryptex. So I had to make sure that all the cryptexes were super high in level so that no thief could pick it. And then if you were also high, a thief, you could also sneak into rooms. And so we had to try and figure out how to turn that off so people couldn't sneak into the hidden areas. And so I had to level up characters and try these things out to see what was happening. And then I also noticed things while people were playing, like there was a bug in the bard class that every time the bard went into a bar they gained 50 experience points so i was looking at all the players lists and there was like a a 30 level bard while everybody else was at level three and we're going what how did that it, it's only been open for three days how can you be level 30 and and i and then i asked them in one of my alt characters it's like how did you get so high you're so high so, oh there's a bug with the bard and so as an, an archon those are the gods in this mod i i just snooped her and you could there's a command that allows you to see from the eyes of another character and this is how we can see what's happening out there for example i was snooping a character and noticed they were trying to do a dictionary attack on the statues that's why we stop with passwords on the statues because i didn't want to deal with that anyway i was snooping them on how she was getting experience a lot and then i realized or he, I'm not too sure, but they were going back and forth into the bars and getting 50 experience every single time. So I squashed that, and it was a lot of fun. I, That's I, hilarious I, that people yeah. were, like, bug grinding <laughs> in this. I, I know when I first got into the mud, I for, the first thing I noticed was that the, the role that I got for my character gave, gave him, like, a four intelligence. Uh, <laughs> This really, this really bugged me out. So uh, I, the first thing I did was I went to the training area, which was what I thought I was supposed to do, and I was, you know, doing stuff to bump up my intelligence. And then I think Darren had said to me something like, "You know, you your, your stats don't matter. You don't need to grind. It, none of this affects your ability to do the puzzles." And I said, "Oh, okay, cool." And I, I never, I never looked back at any of the RPG elements of it after that. And that's fine. We were wondering, we were hoping that A, people who didn't want RPG, they didn't have to. And then people who did want to RPG, they could go to town and have a time of their lives. And they did. It's insane. We There were all sorts of people just... And then, of course, Justin's sister, brilliant, because she treated it like an RP. So she didn't play it as a game. She took it as a world for her to build her stories. It was, yeah, it was we, amazing. Yeah, we actually... I, I bumped into her on my, fir my first uh, hour in the mud while I was trying to figure out how the crypt how to, the cryptex worked in the Hall of Heroes. <laughs> and you, you probably weren't mentioned in her story. Well, hopefully she'll bring that. I, I think it might have been in there. I think it might have. I think I might have made it in there. She yeah, she helped me out a little bit. I was I had no idea who she was, and then uh, Justin had mentioned to me a few days later. Oh yeah, you bumped into my sister. I wish we had enough time to do a blog so that we could have blogged her stories on the website because they were actually pretty hilarious. If you were familiar what was happening in the mud, for example, all the death, it was quite funny. Best of or something. Yeah. So, in the meantime, let's uh, let's jump over to Dan Egnor for a little bit and uh, talk about some of his contributions to this hunt. Oh, hi. Hello. Welcome, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. And you? I'm doing quite well. So uh, first thing I, I've got to talk to you about is uh, Brexit Go. Indeed. What What was the story there? <laughs> so uh, uh, 
I thought it would be interesting, you know, I've experimented a few times before with sort of GPS-based puzzles, but always, you know, on custom devices and the like. I thought it would be interesting and an unexpected twist um, in an online puzzle hunt of this kind to have a puzzle that requires something in the physical world. Um, you know, and I sort of, uh, you know, chuckled... Chuckled a little bit at the thought of people settling in for their puzzle and expecting to print out a PDF and instead getting this thing that obviously makes them go outside. Um, though I'm told, I'm told this is a very uh, Californian <laughs> attitude. Um, uh, but the trick, of course, is that um, the puzzle can be played. This hunt can be played anywhere around the world, right? So, and I have no idea where any of the solvers are going to be. And there's just no way to, like, you know, I can't, like, go place little, like, you know, in the world, you know, prizes all over the place. So I did, um, actually taking a little bit of a leaf from, because, uh, of course, the whole concept of Prexit Go is sort of a, a play or a, a, a spoof of uh, Pokemon Go. Um, so I, I took a leaf from their book and sort of uh, procedurally generated the locations. Um, and there was this whole, you know, content where you'd have to figure out how to, how to find where to actually go by sort of experimentation. Um, but yeah, that, 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 that was the whole genesis of that was, was sort of the whole like surprise factor of seeing this and being like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. <laughs> I thought I had two really funny experiences with Prexit Go. The first was on day one of the hunt, um, a friend of mine, Lindsay Froelich, she's one of my closest friends and uh, regular escape room teammate, although she's pr not really an active member of the community. She was Googling around and uh, found the Prexit Go website and was trying to figure out what it meant on day one. And um, so she, she sent it to me and I, was, I looked at it for a little while and I was like, I'm not sure we're ready for this. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we noticed that it was... Uh... It was showing up in Google, and we were like, oh, gosh. So we made sure to put a little password on it so that in case of exactly that event, people would not, like, start playing this game. That was a good call. So the, the other thing was um, when, when it was released, I was puzzling with uh, Ken Ferguson from The Logic Escapes Me over in the U.K., and it was, like, 1 or 2 in the morning for him. And, we, you know, we were looking at the puzzle and comparing notes and trying to figure out why I was seeing one dragon and he was seeing the other. And then we realized exactly what it was. And we were like, this is fantastic. This is so smart. And then we were like, we, we, we kind of had this moment where we both realized that neither one of us was going to leave our homes. And uh, so he, he, he just started, he just started spoofing his GPS. And uh, a few minutes later, he, he, he found a location that was, you know, somewhere in the middle of the Sahara. <laughs> oh, he was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and that was uh, that. That was our our Prexit Go solve. But we we were we had this moment. Where we were like, this is just fantastic. And and nope, nope, we're not going out. Yeah, Amanda was was quite uh, uh, or, you know ornery at, at the cheaters. <laughs> I oh, was. Boy, was she ever. <laughs> I, I, I came around to the Prexit Go one because I could understand, like, not wanting to uh, go outside or, like, for instance, when Errol and I were testing the first version of Prexit Go, we had a choice of either driving into Lake Ontario or going into this valley that, like, would 
you know, crashed. Both cases would have totaled Errol's car. So, yeah, I can understand it. It was just when I saw the scores go up, I was like, hey! Yeah, I, I sort of knew it would be this cat and mouse game with, um, you know, people spoofing their GPS. And uh, uh, I, I was sort of hoping to win that cat and mouse game in the sense, not in the sense that nobody could spoof, but in the sense that it would be faster to do it for somebody for real, the first solve would be somebody physically going out in the world. And then maybe later on people would, you know, that it would take you longer, take people longer to figure out how to spoof than it would to actually just go do it. Unfortunately, the first solve was with a spoofer. Um, I think the the second team to solve it um, used the actual, you know, actually went around in the world. Um, so, you know, but I definitely learned some uh, tricks and tips that I will use next time if there is such any kind of next time for this idea to, uh, to, to harden it a little bit more so that people have to go outside. On the funny theory, I mean, it's kind of a funny thing about puzzle design, which is that I was sort of thinking about this. On the one hand, like everybody's like, oh, I don't want to leave my couch. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to go outside. It's cold. It's dark. You know, the world is full of terrible things. Um, uh, on the other hand, you know, I sort of have this theory, and I'm not sure how uh, true this theory is, that if you're in the context of something, a game like this one, and you really honestly got to do a thing, and there's just no two ways around it, and you know what, I guess the winner's going to do it, and I guess the second place person's going to do it, and I guess the 200 place person is going to do it, and you got to do it too, then it sort of becomes this challenge. Whereas if you're like, oh, maybe there is a way around this, maybe I can sort of, you know, cheat or spoof or whatever, then the challenge becomes in some ways a lot less interesting. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting. The, the sort of psychology of that is kind of an interesting thing for me. And I'm definitely, you know, interested in everybody's reactions in terms of like when they when they actually saw that and when they actually realized what they'd have to do, it was it sort of a just an oh god oh no I'm, I'm, I'm sad now I hate this puzzle or was there a little bit of like wow I guess I actually am going to do this thing this is kind of crazy but kind of cool I don't know it, it's it's interesting to me to think about the reactions people to have to that sort of unexpected uh, thing that you have to do and of course how that applies to other like puzzle venues as well I, I can't I can only speak for myself but when I when I saw it I was I just I like I said I love the concept and um but then i was like all right we have to cheat this and i and i also think that like you know puzzlers are are gonna cheat it's it's a thing they do (laughs) i fully admitted i fully admitted that it takes a different like just as much skill to cheat that 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 way as it does to actually solve the puzzle but one of the fun things about this one was watching people on Twitter post pictures of where they went for Prexit Go, including a snowstorm in France and out in the backyard where coyotes were howling. It was insane. Wow. So I have a question for you, David. Suppose your attempts to, to um, spoof the GPS had, uh, had fallen flat, had failed. And the only thing you could do, as far as you could tell, was to actually go out there. Would that have been better or worse for you? What would you have done? Um, I would not have done it that night. I would have. I definitely would have packed in for the night. Partially, that's partially because of where I live, which is in this very narrow strip of land between a river and cliffs. Um, that makes it very difficult to do any kind of GPS stuff uh especially if if it's you know i my i'm i'm pretty sure that i would have had to have gone on a serious journey to make it work i would have absolutely done it if i if if i couldn't cheat 
<laughs> I would say that this puzzle hunt had a lot of things in it that that may have turned off a bunch of people. And not just the puzzles, but I meant, you know, it's like, look, there's a 14-page manual. There's a 145-page anthology. There's there's a mud I have to play, you know, all you know, with archaic typing. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. There were a lot of learning curves and I I mean in terms of just the you know just about everything about this hunt had surprised me. And that was even having I, I chatted with you guys, but I had really resisted the urge to ask any details. Um but I I was dumbfounded when when we started this thing by just how much you guys made and how how much of a commitment it turned into. Yeah, well, it was it was great. And I have to say I am I'm a, I'm actually dumbfounded just by the amount of commitment on everybody on the team for this. It it was amazing, right? So as I said, the very first weekend that Manda was the hint giver and she was bombarded with hints. <laughs> She got it from everywhere, from Twitter, from email, and then in the mud itself, they were they formed their own little commune. Really, they were. Oh, just having- it was great! I love my hint shop. <laughs> and Manda, I hear you got fabulously rich in the mud. I I probably didn't get as rich as other people ended up getting. Like one time, at first, I was like, "Oh man, I gained like five hundred coins in the first day! Amazing." But then by the second day, like, somebody would come in for a hint, and I'd be like, okay, it's 10 coins for a custom hint, and then it just shows, and this is, like, players who have clearly either played MUDs before or just going to get way more into it than I had time to, because then it was like, so-and-so pulls out a box, and I'm like, a box? They have a box? And it's like, so-and-so pulls out a sack of coins and two golden notes. I'm like, golden notes? What are those? And so... I almost wanted to up the price because suddenly 10 coins was nothing to people. Like, <laughs> and after Errol gave me Archon powers, I was tempted to like snoop at their inventory first and like, you know, base my price on their gold cash. <laughs> Bring me a shrubbery. Yeah. <laughs> Send them out on like fetch quests. But it's great. The, the fun part about the lack of gold is that there was a way to get gold. And I didn't really foresee this. But... Murder. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was um, what was the story with all of the bodies? Why don't you tell it, Errol? Tell us how you made a city well, of sin. <laughs> uh, it's so it costs ten coins to ask Manda a hint, and everybody really wanted to talk to Man Pants, and apparently it looked like the 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 creatures around Midgard had money. And, and the only way to get it was to kill them. And then they would regenerate as as bodies do in, in video games. But the corpses wouldn't go away. So eventually you would find on almost every street corner, on almost every location, there'd be like, there are three dead mut- Fidos here and five dead vagabonds and a dead town crier and they're all the bot the all the streets were littered with bodies wherever you went it was it was crazy and it didn't help that you know those those creatures also attacked you so like cats and dogs would just attack you as you walked by and i thought to myself nobody would try to attack them because there are also city guards and if you attack someone the city guards will kill you 
But I, but then I was watching people. It didn't deter them. They would die, run out, and try again. And then the city guards don't harm the protect the innocent. And he would slaughter him. He would regenerate, come out, and try again until he finally got the money. <laughs> so, so the role that I actually <laughs> that I ended up taking on was like you know a hint dealer, you know, black market hints. And I just, in my mind's eye, I pictured like somebody coming in covered in blood being like, I got it. I got the money. Because I get people coming in. I just, I need a hint. And I'm like, okay, well, it's 10 coins, but I already gave you 10 coins. Well, that was for one puzzle. That one was, you know, we. this is a whole other puzzle, buddy. I can't help you out. Like, but oh, man, pants, I need eight. my fix. <laughs> yeah, they need their fix. And, and then they go out and murder for it. <laughs> eventually, what I had to do, because the streets were littered with blood, I, I, I made a janitor, a ghoul, who's who eats corpses. And so and then I had him patrol the Midgard so that it would it would get rid of all the corpses and we wouldn't have to do it. Because <laughs> we were eventually just picking up bodies and dumping them into the dump. Bring out your dad. We really needed somebody to do that and uh, just dump all the bodies. I was wondering how you got them all cleaned up. Because in the beginning, before I went in, I think I was chatting with Justin and he was like, just beware, you might be stepping over a lot of bodies. And I was like, okay. And then I walked into the into the mud for the first time and there, there were a lot of bodies. And... <laughs> Uh, I, and I know that there were a bunch of people who I think they were volunteering to like pick them up and drag them off to the dump. Was that? Was that? Is it, did I get that right? I think <laughs> yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah. yeah we ahead. can pick up bodies, and then the dump allowed you to trash items, and so you drop them there, and they disappear. <laughs> so, so you also had a mass grave. <laughs> nice work. At one point, I was running around every here and there and hit it using destroy command on the bodies, just walking in, destroy, 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 walk to the next place. Yeah, my sister actually commented on this when she was writing her journal, and she was going, the bodies are stacked 20 high in the city of Midgard. There's death and mayhem everywhere. I don't know if it's safe to be in the city. And she just wanted to sit on the bench and watch the birds and stuff. It was really weird. But Oh, the bench outside of Katie's diner? Yeah, exactly. I told Errol that like I picture Midgard now like the open that scene in Lord of the Rings where they go to the town of Bree for the first time and you know it's just this like town of murderers and like sin and vice and everything and it just looks <laughs> awful. What about what about the uh, outbreak of Tourette's? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. You're going to have to fill me in on this one. Well, Benson has a great story about that, too. But you can start, Manda, because you were there. You were there during the So Tourette's. there I am in the hint shop, pushing hints like I do, right? And um, all of a sudden, I, like, go to type something, and it says, you call this person, like, you call this player a female dog. And I'm like, what? I didn't say that. And then all of a sudden, it's like, someone calls you a lousy cur. And then the insults started flying and then I get I'm getting panicked messages from the players in the room just saying like what is going on I'm not typing this I am not typing this I swear I'm not typing what is going on why are you calling me names so it turns out that one of the players in the room had the character like you randomly get generated diseases I guess when well no actually there's the the reason is is that if you go to the graveyard there's uh there's zombies there and they have Tourette's and apparently that's (sighs) contagious 
Jeez. Yeah. And so we're all so like, that's like programmed into the Midgard world that you you were building yes. off of. Yes. And so suddenly I'm like panicking and going into the Slack and be like, "What is going on?" And and uh, yeah, someone because I'm just like, I have no idea. And it never at one point said like you have caught Tourette's or something like that. Everybody just started insulting each other, and and uh, we couldn't figure out who had it first or yeah. So it was insane. It was mad. <laughs> Patient zero. Yeah, at one point I used my archive ability to cast a healing aura on myself, so everyone who came around me got healed, healed of their diseases. <laughs> and eventually the Tourette's stopped. This sounds like it would have been the plot of a lesser episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a major episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think that's that's probably how they dealt with zombies infecting them. Instead of turning into a zombie... You caught Tourette's. <laughs> well, like, there were other things like that. When I when we first did the mud before we opened it up to everybody, I was testing the puzzles, and I kept sneezing. And I opened Cryptexes, and the more Cryptexes I opened, the more I sneezed. And I'm like, what is going on? Because it's taking up my whole screen now. And, uh, and then I learned that I was allergic to gold, so the more gold I got the more I would sneeze. And so we had to turn that off too. Like <laughs> so, Setting aside some of the idiosyncrasies of the world, um, I wanted to talk to Dan about how did, how, did this crypt- how did the Cryptex hunt compare to other puzzle hunts as you're kind of our resident puzzle hunt expert? Well, you've done a few yourself. How would you say it compares? Oh, um, <laughs> my, uh, my experience is pretty narrow compared to yours. Um, but in terms of the puzzles, I'd say that I, 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 found, I found this mostly challenging, but within my reach until the finale. I guess I would say the whole mud setting is just like thoroughly unique, right? The whole notion that there's this like rich world that most people have never like, like most people have never played a mud and those who have have probably not played this mud. Um, and that the puzzles are all kind of layered into this world. And I know when Errol first uh, sort of proposed this and I was first like sort of, you know, getting my head around how this whole thing worked and first exploring the early versions of the mud, I thought this was terrible. I mean, I didn't say anything because it's like, you know, it's your host and you can do whatever you want. But, you know, I expressed some very subtle, you know, concerns. But I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. Like, you've got this giant mud that's just going to distract everyone and it's full of like, you know, stupid cats and dogs to kill and whatever. And there's going to be like a puzzle every now and then and like this is like the opposite like you know in the places where I sort of come from as it were or the communities that I'm in normally we sort of we will mostly just sort of put puzzles like they're in a museum right like where the walls are all white and everything is very plain and you've got these nice wooden frames and inside the frame is a puzzle and what is puzzle and what is not puzzle is super clearly labeled and everything that is not puzzle is like very like you know, downplayed and basic because it's all about like diving into this very clearly framed puzzle. Whereas in this hunt, it is like nothing like that. It is like the opposite of that. Um, you know, it's more in that respect. I mean, well, it's not quite the opposite. It's it's interesting. It's complicated. I mean, it's it's kind of like an like an ARG where the things are sort of in this like mixed in the world, but it's this like complicated fantasy mud world thing. And uh, the puzzles are framed. I mean, you sort of. Part of the framing is the cryptexes, right? Like, in a sense, 
it's a puzzle if there's a cryptex, or if there's a cryptex, there must be a puzzle. Um, and so, in, in, in a sense, that's how you know, okay, this is a puzzle. There's a cryptex, so there must be a puzzle nearby. Okay, this kind of looks puzzly. You know, let's go do that. Um, reminded me also a little bit of a game, you know, of, of uh, video games like, um, you know, The Witness or whatever, where there's kind of this, like, big world, and then it turns out, oh, the shapes of these branches are a puzzle or whatever. Um, so that was just super novel and like i said at first i thought it was like just like the worst idea ever but then like as it sort of evolved and as i sort of started to like wander around this world it like felt like a place you know it felt it really did you know this place you know we talk about the corpses we talk about the Tourettes, we talk about the people you're going back and forth between the cryptex shop and the pub and you got your little your little round and you know your way around town now and here's the hint market and here's the promenade and the puzzles are kind of in all these different like parts of the world and it's like okay this isn't just like some puzzles stapled to a giant amount of known puzzle it's like a world with puzzles in it in this kind of interesting way and a lot of people i know who especially who come from like the you know dominant puzzle hunt strain worlds when they first ran into the mud they were like or, or actually the first thing that would hit them would be the manual and they would see this manual it was like i don't know it was only like eight pages like compared to some of the other documents in this thing it was like a tiny little slip of paper but they would see this and they'd be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I, I like, some of them like immediately told me like, oh, I'm sorry, I just don't, I can't. And so, and so some of them I was like, you know, maybe you should try it. It's not like, just focus on a few key things. You know, you don't have to level up in the mud. You don't have to do all this. And they were like, oh, okay. And then by the end, people were really getting into it. So that's just a radical experimental difference, which I kind of love the experimental nature of it. If you take that part away and you just say like, all right, let's look at the puzzles. Um, then I would say, you know, in many ways it reminds me of Errol's other hunts where it's like, you know, in some sense it's outsider art if you look at the sort of mainstream of puzzle hunts. But in another sense, like, Errol's puzzle aesthetic is really... I mean, I think when, when people do a lot of puzzles or do a lot of escape rooms or whatever, you tend to arrive at the same points about what you hate and what you don't hate. I mean, obviously everyone has their own taste. but. Um, but if you're thoughtful, then you're like, okay, red herrings are dumb, you know. When it, Handheld black lights aren't great. Right. I mean, you know, for all the same reasons, which is that like, you know, okay, something that, that leads you on a blind alley forever and then you run into the end is sort of bad. You know, that arbitrary answers where you just have to be guessing are bad. So Errol has this great, very well-defined puzzle sense, which means that his puzzles are very um, satisfying once you get through them, even though, of course, you sort of hate often hate them in the middle um, and so it's got that that thing about it um, and of course I don't know if any of you noticed but there was kind of a pretty significant difficulty ramp going into the finale which I'm sure we'll talk about later yeah um, we'll definitely be talking about that one and so that was that 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 you know sort of brought it from you know a certain level of puzzle um, up to like you know almost like you know MIT mystery hunt type level of puzzle um, and so that, that, you know, it sort of spanned a bigger gamut in difficulty, I think, than a lot of other puzzle hunts do, which is also just kind of an interesting difference about it. I, I found myself, the first few days, I was trying to just squeeze out little bits of time to work on the, on, on the hunt at all. And by the time I finished the qualifying puzzles, I was getting bombarded with Twitter and Facebook messages from readers of Room Escape Artists. Who Thank were you, trying, David. You're welcome. <laughs> who were like, how, how do I do this? How does the mud work? How 
you know, I, I think I figured out the Hall of Heroes. What do I do with that? Um, and just a lot of like a lot of, you know, pretty basic stuff. But it was like it was the kind of stuff that like if you if you weren't comfortable with a mud or you weren't comfortable with a puzzle hunt, which was what a lot of our, you know, our readers aren't general, you know, we, we, they're definitely some puzzle hunters, but we have a lot of people who just do escape rooms. And we have a lot of people who have never seen a mud before. Lisa hadn't seen a mud before and I hadn't seen one in like 20 years. Um, and so that was when I, I think at 11 o'clock at night, I, I said to Lisa, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go and write a thousand words about, you know, the basics of how this works so that I can stop repeating myself to everybody. And so that's when I, I didn't even ask you guys. I just wrote this like unofficial guide to, to uh Prexit quest. And I figured, I figured they're, they're either going to hate it, but they'll accept it or they'll love it. And they'll be really happy. But either way, I need to generate some documentation here. So, so that's where that came from. And I, I was really happy that everybody was, was really pleased with that. Um, cause I was like, this is a, by the time I got through the qualifiers, my feeling was like, this thing is really cool, but getting started is so frightening that I, I was worried that like, if, if someone didn't get out in front of that and be like, Hey, this is not as scary as you think it is. And if you play with it for just a little while, it kind of becomes second nature. Um, here are some tips and tricks that there were going to be a whole bunch of people who never tried it and would have missed out. So we ended up putting that that unofficial like guide into our email autoresponder because it did have some very good because like we were getting emails about that too, just being like, I don't have to play in this mod, do I? Can you just show me where the puzzles are? And <laughs> and I was like, here, we'll just we'll just we'll just put it in there, and I think it did help out quite a bit. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Uh- I, as a tech guy, like my thing is like whenever somebody asks me the same question twice, my gut is to make a wiki page. I'm sure we could have uh, done a better job, like you know, documenting or bringing people in. But at the same time, I really like. I sort of liked the thematic element of this being somebody's like unofficial guide. You know, it's it's like we're the Gunters or whatever in Ready Player One, and people are like, you know, and there's this like puzzle verse, and people are out there writing their little sort of tourist guides, like, okay, this is the like not for tourist guide for Midgard, you know. And that was that was kind of my intention when I did it. I was like, I I could just hop into Slack and like say like, hey. I'm getting a lot of questions that I feel like you guys could simplify and maybe just write, a, you know, a readme file or something like that. Um, and but I was like, you know what? It's I, I'm just going to go and do this and have have a little bit of fun with it and just see if you know because I figured it, at this point you've made the game; it kind of belongs to the community, and so I was just going to go and roll with that. And it was great, and I totally agree with you. The game ended up being a community of people within the mud. And so it was totally in spirit. In fact, I was really trying to figure out, I wonder if I could somehow make fake forums for people to go to, right? To have a completely immersive. But I didn't have time for that either. I, I know that like two of the people who had been messaging me um, from from pretty early in the hunt, having I don't think they had done a puzzle hunt before. Um, Andrea and Glenn, they're from Calgary. And... We had just like randomly met them in Salt Lake when we were playing escape rooms. And so um, Andrea started messaging me with questions about, you know, like she had done 
I think like Simon and couldn't figure out the extraction and, and a whole bunch of those early puzzles and hadn't done a puzzle hunt before. So hadn't been exposed to this idea of you solve the puzzle and then there's another puzzle where you figure out how to how to get the answer. And so I started just kind of helping them out a little bit. And by the, you know, they, midway through, they ended up kind of jumping into my Google Sheet. And next thing I knew, we were just like unofficially this team. And they were much better at extractions by the end. That's, that's my big weakness. I'm really good at setting up a puzzle and observing all of the details. I, um, I, I really struggle on the extraction. So we turned into a really productive team, which was great. And that's something amazing as well, because I didn't expect... I didn't expect it to be almost like an intro to puzzle hunts, but it ended up being, and, and probably a lot of it is um, because of your help, David, and also because of that was Justin's goal from the beginning. He wanted it to be um, accessible to new people, and it isn't by the end, but you get to start it, and then you get to see how far it can go. In terms of, and just kind of talking about the expectations, um, I'll toss this one over to Dan again. What you know? How did how did you know? How did, were other puzzlers' expectations affected by the fact that this was free? Um, you know, what what did that did that signal anything? Free in in cost, you mean? You mean? Yeah, free as in free as in beer. Well, I mean, the main thing I don't know. So this hunt was interesting. Like a lot of hunts are, I mean, a lot of you know puzzle hunts are free, um, or at least free nominally. You might have to pay something for the logistics of it all. But of course, the other huge difference that uh, about this hunt was that there's a real prize, like a seriously shiny piece of like you know desirable like I want to have that prize right, and um, so that I think is another major thing. So the fact that it's free and there's a prize, I think in combination create an interesting dynamic that really you know draws people in. Um, whereas if somebody had thrown out, you know, now, of course, you know, at this point, Errol has, you know, and company and, and uh, so forth have a reasonable amount of like, like his puzzle hunts are known and he's known for, you know, quality work. But um, if somebody just sort of threw a hunt out there on the net and it had some of this like stuff to it, like probably it wouldn't get quite as much like uh, people being like, no, I'm really going to try to crack this thing. Um, and so, but even if you're like, okay, you know, logically, like, I'm not going to win this prize, you know, I'm not the world's best puzzler. It still kind of gives you something to strive for, especially because there is the draw prize after all. So I think, I think that really, like, I can't say actually how it affected the mindset, but I'm sure that it did. Yeah. So Darren, I'd like to talk to you about, uh, about all of the puzzles you've made. You had quite the impressive output, um, in the, and it represented in this hunt, um, yeah, I, I think 15 of the 30 puzzles were mine. <laughs> that's impressive. How how much time did it take you to crank out a puzzle? It's hard to say because mostly they were uh, written here and there. Um, Errol had reached out to me back end of November, early December, saying, hey, I'm doing this puzzle hunt thing with Justin, and, and I'd like you to be part of it. Are you, uh, will, you, will you be part of it? And I said... Yeah, sure. I've I've never written puzzles for a puzzle hunt before, but yeah, let's give that a shot. Um, so I 
early on would throw out a couple puzzles to uh, to um, Errol and Dan and say, "Hey, what do you guys think? Is this worth including?" And you know, Dan would solve it in two seconds, and I'd be like, "Man, I got to come up with something better." <laughs> and so I would just kind of keep going. And then when Errol finally unveiled the mud aspect of it, because we we knew it was coming, but we hadn't seen it yet. And so when he unveiled the mud aspect of it, that started kind of uh, adding a little bit of creative juice to the mix. That I was like, "Oh, we could do this, and we could do that." I think the uh, the haunted tower puzzle came um, after I saw the mud, and it's like, well, you know, this would be a way we could go with it. So I, I have to say, I've been solving your puzzles for long longer than really anybody else um, who who was contributing to this hunt. So I felt most comfortable working on yours because you have a puzzle website that uh, I've been known to frequent and also share. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I was really happy that you were contributing because I, I was like, oh, this is this is not foreign to me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you like it. I mean, I I just kind of started doing this over the last year. Just um, I think a, a little over a year ago, a bunch of us in the Slack uh, started doing one of the to- one of the um, hunts out there, maybe the Cambridge puzzle hunt or something like that. And we all started contributing. And I'm like, this is kind of cool. This, that was really my first introduction to the whole online puzzle hunt thing. And like, like you've said earlier, I don't consider myself one of the great solvers or, or puzzle creators, but it was cool and it caught my interest. And so I would make some and throw them out there. Uh, it's funny. I've, I've just really taken, and I really started getting into this, into puzzle hunt puzzles by way of of playing yours that's really kind of been where i've been training myself um because my whole goal for the last year when it comes to puzzle hunts is just to become reasonably competent uh last year i played with um with rich bragg and and jasters and a few of these just incredibly talented puzzle hunters at uh, eric's puzzle party in auburn alabama and it took half a day for lisa and i to become reasonably useful teammates to them we were just kind of just fully outclassed um second half of the day we at least became useful and uh but since then i've been on this quest to become a reasonably useful puzzle hunt teammate uh and so that's that was the impetus for me trying out your puzzles and uh i've the 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 way that i've come to feel about puzzle hunt puzzles is that it's the first time that i can relate to people who really love going to the gym where like they're posting memes and they're like oh going to the gym today it's gonna be awful i'm gonna love it uh, <laughs> i've never been able to relate to that before until uh, i started doing puzzle hunt puzzles <laughs> and now i think it kind of makes sense to me yeah i was reading a book that some of us have read called puzzle craft and i haven't read all of it but the author was talking about that um people who make poor puzzle coordinators in other words the people who help run a puzzle event are those who can't stand pain on the the, on the behalf of the players um that you know the the players who play the stuff they don't want to be released from the pain they just want to know that they're not wasting their time that's that's an accurate statement so what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned um since this was really your first hunt that you were contributing to I think one of the things is that um, there are whole levels of puzzles beyond what I'm capable of producing. Um, some of the stuff, for instance, that Errol threw together to uh, make up for the finale uh, mishaps were, were just uh, amazing. And I'm like, that's a cool idea. I wish I had thought of it. 
Um, but it, overall, it's it's really um, gratifying to be able to put a puzzle out there and have people tackle it and and struggle with it, and then come back and say, "Okay, that was hard, but I felt good when I solved it. I felt like that was you know." That was a good good puzzle to go through, as opposed to you know you always feel like well I threw this and it's going to be so easy and 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 then people, um, you know, sink their teeth into it and have fun and that's great. I think I, I'm going to cut in here. It was like it was fun watching this with Darren Miller because I experienced this with my first puzzle and how fast the expert puzzlers can solve a puzzle. That utterly floored me. <laughs> and then so to see Darren's reaction on the first pillar, <laughs> the poor guy. <laughs> we were expecting it, but Darren wasn't. Yeah, well, I, I kind of expected it because when Dan would test solve them, it would be like five minutes later, he'd be like, okay, well, I think it's this. And I'd be like, Darn it, how'd you get that so fast? Um, you went to go do something when that first puzzle was being solved, and you came back after checking something on the server or whatever, and we go, someone solved it already, and you go, what? How fast? And you go, seven minutes, and you're like, seven minutes? I gotta go back to puzzle design school. But <laughs> in reality, it was a really good puzzle, and it was amazing, and it, because one person got it really quick, it doesn't mean it's a bad puzzle, it just means that that guy's a really amazing puzzle solver. Yeah, there, there, there were several people who uh, who solved it, and um, some of them were talking in Slack. And I'm like, um, at least let me uh, let me think that this was a difficult puzzle. <laughs> yeah. And these like these really top tier puzzlers. I mean, they're they're so incredibly experienced. They're so they're so keyed into the patterns they need to look for. They're so quick to disregard things that aren't going to be relevant. And then on top of that, you have this whole layer of they're, they're basically cyborgs because they all have like half a dozen different tools that they lean on to <laughs> just brute your, 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 you know, brute a solution. And it's, it's so, for me as a player, when I, when I watch them, when I watch them work, it's so impressive and also just like so flat. It's just, it's, it, I'm just flabbergasted by it. I told Darren that day, like, it would have been way worse if your puzzle was broken. That would have been a bad <laughs> Oh, yeah. A fast solve is, is great. What, you know, but, but yeah, f- having them find flaws with it is way worse. Yeah. And some of those, some of the fast solvers were in the Slack and they were like, don't worry, it was a good puzzle. Yeah, I love all your puzzles, Darren. <laughs> it, was, it was a good appetizer. Where's the next one? That's right. That's right. And then during the finale, so we've been, had a chance to talk to some of the people who've completed the whole thing and uh, be a little more frank with some of their discussions. And some of them were like, yeah, I didn't actually get all of the information needed to solve it, but I got enough that I could solve it. And it's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> They're like, I cut I cut half your puzzle in half because I, I found this, this, and this, and that was enough for me to solve it. I have a funny story. that I, I believe you were responsible for the patchwork house puzzle. That is correct. <laughs> I got it. I got to Thank you for it. Um, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I I got this. You sent me this cryptic message um, on the Thursday during the bonus puzzles, and you just said, "Are are you going to be playing tonight?" And uh, you know, when it when it publishes, and I I said yes, and um, I was like, "That's that was that was strange." You hadn't done that for any of the other puzzles. <laughs> And so I I get into the mud at 8 o'clock, or, or I think it was like 8. Yeah, I got on at 8 o'clock, and um, I approach the the house, and there is the golden lock that is inscribed livid, which is the portmanteau of Lisa and my first names that we we've, our corporation is Livid Robot. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I was 
open, you know, go into the house and the, I think the first room was the parlor and uh, I go into the next room and it was like the girl's room. And I was like, I, I, I shouted to Lisa, I was like, oh, I think this is a golden lock-in puzzle. And, and she, she was um, making us dinner and was just like, what, what are you talking about? And so she finished dinner and I, I sat down and I explained to her what was going on. And then I said, look, I need to, I need to just finish eating really quickly and get back because I feel like <laughs> if, if I don't put up a decent time on this, I'm going to bring shame to our family. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is um, it was supposed to be part of the finale, so I wasn't really worried about you finding out about it too soon because it would be part of the finale sequence. But then when we had to recover and, and move those out, because some people had already seen it, um, so we we, re- we removed those as, as finale puzzles and made them bonus puzzles. And I'm like, well... You know, David's been playing on and off as he's had time, and I don't want him to find out secondhand by someone asking him about it. And so that's why I was reaching out to you to make sure that it was on your radar. Oh, it, it was. I, I'm glad that I was able to play that live because over the course of the evening, I was getting bombarded with messages um, from all of the escape room players who all were really excited and felt like they had an advantage over some of the puzzle hunters for a change. <laughs> Yeah, on the flip side, the number of comments and whisp- people whispering to each other, just being like, what is livid? What is it? I don't know. I just Is it a wizard? I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing is, is I put that in there both as, as a nod to your brand name and also because if you go and Google livid golden lock, you're like the first or second hit. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was a really up. embarrassing thing that I learned because I told Errol, like, well, no one's going to get that. And he's like... Just Google it. I was like, what? Google, go- did you Google Golden Lock Live It? I'm like, fine. And it's the first hit. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was really surprised that you used Livid because it, that was, at least until that puzzle was published, um, kind of like an obscure thing that, that really just our close friends knew about. Um, we, it was like we used Livid, as, like everything in it for our wedding said Livid on it because we, Lisa and I thought it was really funny. Uh-oh, so it's like your pet name and we've made it public. Well, it, no, it, it was already public because, like, we named our corporation Livid Robot just because we also thought, you know, just like we thought having, you know, Livid written on our wedding program was funny. Um, we just thought an angry robot as the name of our company was, you know, we, we were tickled by that. Um, well, and it, and it's in the footer on all your pages, which helped the search stuff. It, it is, and I, I hadn't thought about that, so... Lisa and I were saying to each other, like, that's really obscure. How are people going to figure that out? Even, you know, unless you were, like, at our wedding, you might not know that. Um, but then I, I asked you and you said you should Google it, and I did. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> the uh, the other thing was um, – so one of the things an archon can do is see where other people are in the mud regardless of their location. And so – uh, from time to time, I'd be wondering, you know, did David see this puzzle yet? And so I'd do where livid because that was the character you were using, and and it would also tell me where the golden padlock was because it has your name on it. So <laughs> whether you were on or off, where livid always rep- replied with an answer to me. <laughs> that that was also the other funny. It was just kind of happenstance. Lisa and I weren't sure whether we were going to be playing this hunt together, and we played the first bunch of puzzles, um, and then she was just like, "I need to. I, I this is too much for me. This is this." is a much deeper commitment than i'm ready for um she's also way more disciplined about running our website than i am 
Um, so she was kind of holding down the room escape artist fort while I spent two weeks doing nothing but puzzles. Um, but yeah, initially, you know, I didn't know whether we were going to, you know, what name we were going to use, but I, I initially kind of went with livid cause I didn't know how much time I would have to commit to the, to the puzzle hunt. And I, I didn't want to use room escape artist and put up a whole bunch of really terrible times and, uh, and, and embarrass ourselves. So I used livid. And then I was like, Oh, guess the cat's out of the bag on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I think it almost would have helped if people were in the community and walking around, they would have seen a livid. So if they came to that puzzle, wait a minute, why does that sound familiar? That's not Roman numerals. That's an actual person. That might uh, help out. Then they would have gone looking for you, and you would have been a walking red herring. <laughs> yes, they would have asked you about the what's this puzzle all about. You're like, what? I just got logged in. What do you mean? <laughs> Especially since I was playing almost exclusively in quiet mode, and I wouldn't have seen what they were saying anyway. I thought they would have just thought I was like an NPC. And and I had reached out to David, so um, I put the puzzle together because I had talked to Errol, and I was like, you know, I have this idea for a puzzle, and it's a tie into the Golden Lockins, and I really think it's nice to uh, you know have a have that as as because. You know, Justin had mentioned how part of his uh, desire to put this puzzle hunt together was as a nod to the escape room community. And I said, so I think this kind of ties it all together with our little community and the escape rooms and all that. And so Errol's like, yeah, go for it. Put something together. See what you do. And so I did. And then about a couple weeks later, I'm like, wait a minute. Does this mean that David can't win if I put this puzzle in? And he, I said, maybe I better ask David if he's actually planning to compete. And so that's when I reached out to you about a month or so ago. And I said, um, hey, you know that cryptic something coming up? I know this is going to be a really weird question, but were, were you planning to try to compete for the prize? And you're like, nah, you know, I'll probably do a few of the puzzles, but I don't really think I'm really going to have time to do much of anything with it. I'm like, okay. And you're like, Why? <laughs> And I was like, well, I can't really tell you, but there's just a puzzle I've got in there that might give you an unfair advantage. And you're like, well, now I really want to know. And I'm like, well, I can't tell you. <laughs> when I saw the puzzle, I remembered that conversation. But at the, at the time, I thought that it was just going to be like some really escape roomy thing or something that like we had talked about at some point. I, I, didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. I was, I was not expecting a, a full golden lock-in puzzle. The funny thing about it was I had an immediate advantage in setting up my spreadsheet to solve that puzzle. <laughs> and then I was cursed with entirely too much knowledge. And uh, thankfully, uh, I was working on and with Andrea and Glenn on that one. And once I had it set up, they... I was trying all sorts of other weird things of indexing into other parts of the golden lock-in posts and like just making a mess of it. And they, they ended up getting the extraction, but I, yeah, I, I was able to carry that most of the way. And then, and then I, I carried it off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, enough about that. Thank you very much. It was super flattering. Uh, and, and Lisa and I were just, just, blown away by that uh, i also i also loved that the cryptex was was blue and white that 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 detail was not lost on me <laughs> so um do we have uh do we have dave lewis on i'm here i wanted to talk to you about some of the some of the technical mishaps and things i i i, I heard heard y'all were hacked 
It wasn't his uh, fault, though. Uh, yeah, I, I know it wasn't your fault. I just, uh, you, I was told that you were the one who would actually have the story here. Yeah, I could probably tell that. Um, you know, we originally, um, I brought that up saying, hey, you know, we should be careful to make some of these file names obscure. And Errol was like, well, they're, you know, they're obscure enough because people are going to be running through the puzzle and, you know, it won't be a problem. And then the server thing happened during the, the finale. And then people got bored and started, uh, you know, when the server was down, people got bored and started trying to pick at the server and see what they could find. And, um, yeah, sure enough, we checked the logs and just a constant stream of, you know, searching for images based on certain patterns and things like that. So we had to kind of rethink that, move some things around and, and block a few people and put that to rest. David wasn't expecting it, but he became our security officer because he's Yay. just like, could you check the logs for this? Can you check the logs for that? <laughs> City guard stripe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Except I didn't uh, attack alley cats or anything like that. <laughs> uh, I did also hear that you saved a uh, a player from, from a dragon. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, Darren probably did too. Every once in a while we get a player that's like, help, I've been stuck in a red dragon's stomach for about an hour now. What can I do? And you know, we're like, oh, just use the recall command. They're like, it doesn't work. So yeah, we had to uh, rescue a few people from the red dragon's stomach and um, funny thing was I, I brought him back to the, the grunting boar inn, you know, where you start and he's like, oh, thanks. And then, like, just a minute later, he's like, but now I can't move. And I checked his character, and he, like, has no, all his limbs are cut off and all that stuff. So I had to actually do some quick healing, too. Just a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. he, could, he couldn't wear a ring, though. That was the problem, because so, he didn't have arms. So he couldn't, <laughs> so he couldn't get past the acid anything. or the poison one. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, I didn't realize this, but there is a red dragon in the sewers. If you explore it enough, you will eventually find the red dragon. And this red dragon will attack you immediately. And then if he doesn't kill you immediately, then he eats you. And then you're stuck in this limbo area where you can't cast magic and you slowly are whittled away to die. But you don't die because you heal faster than the acid of his stomach um, eats away at you. So people are stuck in there for hours. <laughs> so you had your own sarlacc pit? <laughs> yes, I <Yeah>. did. <laughs> and I didn't realize that was there. And of course, as 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 David said, they also um, don't have arms or limbs because it, they all get eaten away as well. So if you do get out somehow and we don't notice it, then you actually can't walk. I eventually put in, there's a priest at the chapel and I eventually gave him the ability to give, to restore limbs. That was like a, a thing you can buy from the priest because there was, there was no way to do that elsewhere. Yeah, but if you can't walk to the priest, you're in trouble. Yeah, that too. <laughs> and then I had some people complain yeah. to me that he costs too much, and being the soft touch I am, <laughs> I cast the, the restoration for free. Errol had lots of surprises. One day, Darren's like, where where did all these new areas come from? You know, they just appeared in the mud, and we're like, I don't know. You know, Errol just decided to add all these additional areas one day. It, it happened after the server crash because I felt bad. It's like, oh, now all these people are going to wait. I know. I'll just add more areas. So there's a way to get to the areas. But you you would have to have... I didn't want it to get in the way of the puzzling. So I made sure that in order for you to get 
to get to the areas, you would actually have to know Midgard. And so there, if you buy a boat and if you go on the river, there's exits on both sides of the city to get to all these other areas within Midgard. Manpans, um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about some of your adventures in the, uh, in, in the mud and, and, and uh, what, were, what were the most common hints you had to give? Oh, well, so it's interesting because we, we ended up deciding after the opening weekend, we were going to have like custom hints available for all of the puzzles, uh, but we realized the sheer volume of people coming through for hints, it would have just been impossible to admin, so we, we kind of stopped it there. As far as the admin puzzles go, um, by and far the the biggest amount of hints I got was for the theater puzzle, I think, and... It was it was interesting to see that they always came at the same points. Like everybody usually got stuck at exactly the same point, and uh, and then we actually ended up adjusting the hints that we did have that were available in the hint shop based on that feedback. It did also lead to like one of my more hilarious encounters because there's was more than one time that people mistook me for an NPC. And so they're trying to figure out, you know, how to interact with me. So the the most hilarious one was for a theater puzzle hint because he came up and he was just like, Manda. And I was like, hello, how are you today? And to be fair, I was giving a very NPC-esque response, like, you know, very vague, very polite. And he just goes, Shakespeare, theater. And I was like, <laughs> um... Okay, uh, have you seen the rest of the hint shop? If you need a custom hint for anything that's not already in the hint shop, it's an extra 10 coins. And then I just hear, Temple, Shakespeare, Actor. And I'm like, um, if you'd like an extra hint, you can just type, give 10 coins, Manda. And then it, he gave me the 10 coins. I'm like, all right, thank you very much. So where are you at? Actor, Shakespeare, Temple. And I'm like, hang on. And I'm just typing it. And he's like... Theater, lines, acts, and I'm just like, okay, look, I'm not actually an NPC, so you can actually just describe what's going on and remember to use the tell command. And then he was like, oh my god, I totally thought you were an NPC. That's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the theater one was the one with the most hints. Then um, Loom... I just sort of saw a lot of people talking about it. Loom people came up to me just being like, I know what to do. I just don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> that that was like, exactly what happened to me. Uh, I, I, I said to some of my friends, I know what I have to do. I, 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 I'm not doing it. And they said, here, here's, here's the map. Yeah. If somebody came, quite a few people came up, especially like three days into the hunt, I got quite a few Hall of Heroes hint requests. And if I got Hall of Heroes hint requests, I was sort of thinking, I'm probably going to see you again, aren't I? And and sure enough, they became my regulars, usually. And then the other one was like the, the Temple of Noor, which was like the meta for the warm-up puzzles, was a big one. Usually people... Like, once they got the aha, like, once I sort of led them to it. And Darren, too. Darren was also a hint giver during this time. And so he, I'm sure, has has his stories as well. But, yeah, it was it was interesting being a hint. Because then I started getting regulars in the hint shop. And they got to know me. And I got to know them. <laughs> so I felt like this should be a bar. I should, like, you have, have a, it like... cheers for you. You should have <laughs> named it cheers. And I should be, like, you know, the bartender there that everybody knows. And, and next no. to the grunting boar is Hintaholics Anonymous. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, I as and people were buying and then of course I'd get bored in the hint shop and I'd go to the various booths just to see what people were buying a lot of. Lot of fire pillar puzzle hints bought, a lot of acid pillar puzzles bought. Oh, uh, that listening one's mine. To, yeah. yeah, just listening to the chatter, pretty much everybody hated Errol by Friday, I think. <laughs> And, I'm, I'm yeah, seriously was... starting a, a voodoo doll sale of Errol <laughs> so that, you know, you get the voodoo doll with Errol's face on it and then like a little dagger that you can stab it. And I'm going to make a fortune off of that. Yeah, there were definitely some points in time where I I started in on a puzzle and I was like, oh, this is clearly an Errol puzzle and I hate <laughs> it. <him." laughs> so on, on that subject, um, man, what was with all the mapping puzzles? <laughs> <laughs> It it you know to be fair there wasn't a lot of mapping with my puzzles except for the island there was what? a lot of ma- there was a lot of mapping for the island and Lum- oh, hold, and- hold on hold on hold on there <laughs> how about the temple of of Lum or Loom or however you're pronouncing it there's 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 mapping it's just I don't know what thirty rooms <laughs> and, and and the drow puzzle yeah yeah no no so there's not a lot of mapping for the drow puzzle it's just envisioning really? it that was hard actually when i first made it i was thinking to myself i have no idea how people are going to solve this oh well it's cool <laughs> <laughs> i that is probably up until the finale that was the the drow puzzle was the only one that i absolutely could not have done um just because i had no background in cryptic crosswords i I ended up calling in, uh, calling in Amanda Harris, and she, she, I think, from her phone, she just banged out all of the answers. Oh, that's great. I, I just put <laughs> Which them is in good. Google, Google Sheet, and uh, I, I pinged her at like nine o'clock at night, and by nine fifteen, they were all answered. <laughs> oh wow, that's amazing! And and that actually, I wanted I wanted to make the cryptic uh, puzzles. Well, actually, it was my first one, so I also wanted to make it easier so people because I love them. I think they're amazing, and I just want other people to enjoy that as well. Now that doesn't <laughs> give an excuse for the the 3D aspect of it. And I do remember thinking to myself like I have no idea how people are going to solve this. I really hope it's doable. So you well, know they... when when it came out to the beta tests, and the thing is, Justin is like a, a 3D savant. He can see everything and picture it in his mind in 3D. So he solves it in like seven, the, the 3D aspect of it in like seven minutes. It's like, it's not hard for him at all. And I thought, oh, okay, it's super easy. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, It was no. really funny to see people like, um, I, I wanted to time, like at what point are people going to start jonesing for hints because sure enough like you'd usually get someone coming into the hint shop and being like when are, when are the hints for this puzzle going to be released and i was like it's always the next day at the release of the following puzzle and so then at 8 p.m you just like see people suddenly stream into the hint shop and go straight for like the the new booth that's opened up and yeah it was it was funny to it was funny to watch i actually I learned a lot about hint giving during that time too, because I've never done that kind of thing before. And so my patience began to wear thin the more, like, if I got the same question over and over again. So it took a lot of my willpower not to just blurt out the answer. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. I get that. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the finale. And let's, I guess we should start off with the crash. 
Ah. Ah. So uh. I feel sorry. I feel sorry first off for Justin because he, it, it was great because he kept quiet during the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Which is and rare I, for me. And, and we had I, a private chat. And I'm pretty sure he wanted to know what was happening. Now it was it was it was DK Miller and, and David Stripe and I and and we I was freaking David out. David Stripe? Yeah. <laughs> DK <Lewis>. Miller? <laughs> We're just gonna switch to Slack name for the remainder of the recording. Darren and David. Um, they, Errol, you also have to mention your um, indisposition at the time. <laughs> I, not, I also had to be at a wedding, and so I was, and so I was, I was freaking out. I was actually very, I was, I felt sorry. I mean, afterwards, I felt horrible for Darren and David because I'm like barking out orders at them at this moment in time. <laughs> uh, so, and and because. It was the hunt. Everybody was past. A lot of people were getting past the first puzzle and going on to the second. And I do believe it was Dan Katz who made it to the second puzzle in record time. And it was broken. Everything was there. Were no, there was nothing there. And I went to take a look at it, and it's true. All the rooms had disappeared. And I was like, "What? What do you mean? All the rooms have disappeared?" And and then we started look. I was watching the logs at this whole time, and things were were relatively okay but then we just started to get errors and and then we looked we tried to fix it and thinking okay we don't have time let's just bypass this puzzle to go to the next one and if when we got that fixed all the rooms were gone from the next one as well and it was it was horrible and i was thinking okay and you know we wanted to reboot it and we did but then things were all messed up by then and a lot of the puzzles were compromised and it was horrible and the main problem was was the fact I th- actually, and we tried to test this throughout the whole pillars when things didn't matter as much. And so what we did is that we set up an instance. And what that is, is that every player gets a copy of the puzzle. So when you walk into a room, it'll be your own copy of the room and you'll be able to see the puzzle all on your own. And that's what we wanted it for every person so that they all had their own fresh copy. But unfortunately, it seemed that didn't, that didn't go over well. And we had tested it. We, we did it with, um, with the drow, uh, the drow, drow, uh, not drow, but with the island puzzle. No, we didn't, not for the island, but for the drow, drow puzzle. And so I tested it there, and we had a number of scripts because all the drow elves would say things periodically all the time. So there's like, how many of them are there? 12 of them? I can't remember off the top of my head. And they're all peri- all in a loop saying the same thing over and over again. And then, and then I think there were over 150 people all had a copy of the of the drow dungeon and so i thought okay so that's a good stress test and and we we saw no hiccups whatsoever so we thought okay so it should be fine for the finale but i was wrong it it died on us and so it this was, was just a scale problem there's no, nothing malicious going on or anything no like- not at that point in time not no not that we're aware of nothing mm-hmm. seemed to be a going um it seemed to be only a scale and i know that i had to go off to the wedding and darren and david were tirelessly trying to get that thing running and probably thinking to himself where's earl why is he off at a wedding how important are weddings and, and it's just and they were holding <laughs> down remember, the fort. i don't even remember what we were doing but i know darren and i were like teleporting around the world fixing people one by one just trying to hold things together 
It's true because people were getting stuck in abandoned rooms. It was just like, you know, a whole back, a whole whack of people eat, getting eaten by dragons. But now there are like 50 of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they would find themselves in dead end areas and the, the link that was supposed to be there wasn't copied to their instance or whatever. And so we'd be restoring the exits. And and finally, you know, we, we got around and people were getting into the, the third uh, room, which was the patchwork house. And they were having problems there. And David and I were talking, uh, saying... This is just not going to be sustainable. I mean, we can't, we don't have a, the whole timeline is compromised if some people can't even get to the first puzzle while other people are stuck in, in the third. So eventually we didn't want to, but eventually we said, we just, we just can't run this puzzle uh, finale this way. And we had to shut it down. Okay. So you, you guys pull the plug and then the decision comes to, release the puzzles that were supposed to be in the finale as bonus puzzles one one each day over the course of the next week and then the following the, week you those would, that had been seen yeah th- those that had been seen okay and then the so those became all of the bonus puzzles and then the following saturday you had a you rescheduled the finale and that had 10 completely new puzzles Actually, it wasn't ten. So three were we were able to bring over. So which, the, so which which three carried over? So uh, the catacombs. So what D- D- Darren did that was the second one that we actually had everybody just skip. So we knew that nobody did that puzzle. So Darren was able to redo it and redo the answer. I, and I'm glad to hear that. I could not believe that you guys made that entire puzzle in all of its scale in a week. I was like, what? What is wrong with you guys? <laughs> Actually, uh, I I did it in like a, an hour. Really? Because I... when I built it the first time, I I didn't build it room by room. I built it as a uh, uh, with a program, a script that generated all the rooms. And so what I did is I took what I had before and I reconfigured it, and then ran it through my script again, and it generated the area, and then I reinstalled it. Uh, so I, all that work I did the first time through was paid off in the end doubly. Woohoo! Yeah, that was great. That was brilliant. That was amazing. And then we kept Egner's puzzle, which was great because I wanted to keep that puzzle in. So that's the second or third last puzzle. And then we kept the bard song. No, that's okay. And then we had the bard song. Sorry, not the bard. Yeah, the bard song. Now the, the bard, ghost bard. So, the ghost bard, and that was compromised a bit. We that was the one where we found out hackers had found the whole all the sheets that would have helped with the meta. So I thought to myself, you know what? Fine, everybody can have it then. So since once it became that you had a whole week leading up to it, I gave that sheet to everybody and I said, okay, this will help you for the final puzzle. And I really wanted to know if anybody was able to solve the puzzle without the MP3 because we knew it, it it's coupled with a an MP3. And we knew that wasn't compromised, so we kept the puzzle in, and we just gave them the music sheet at the beginning, or the song sheet at the beginning, and just to see if anybody was able to solve it. And if they did in the week's time, then, hey, that's amazing if you could solve it, and you deserve to win the prize. But I don't think anybody did. Okay, and then in the end, you the, the winner who emerged was kind of a dark horse, uh, Dr. Exor. Yeah, actually, it was really cool because he told us afterwards that he came in second behind Oni Game or Weiwa uh, in my last puzzle hunt. And that so he has had experience with my type of puzzles, which may have helped him a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I know when he was, I, I 
I threw in the towel at some point Saturday evening and I messaged you and I said, okay, I'm done, but I really want to know where, like, where's the, you know, where are the leaders in this? And you started sending me updates and I, I started looking up the people who were, who were in the running and he, you know, he had kind of, you know, good, decent times, but like nothing that like put him in the top 10 for most of the, you know, solves, um, up to that point. So I was, I was really surprised. I was like, wow. Who is this guy? Um, yeah, no, a, lot a lot of people, people came, came to a grinding halt at the web puzzle. Oh, you don't say. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and then after the web puzzle was Egner's puzzle. And so that, too. So the, the web puzzle, I think it got solved in how long did it take to get solved? I can't remember. Anybody remember how long the web puzzle took to get it was solved? Lo- it was like two hours, I think. Two and a half hours. And then the and then Egner's puzzle also everybody got halted on, and then after that came my new up new Bard puzzle, and so the web puzzle and the Bard puzzle were all new. And then it was sad because Projectile was in front, and we were cheering him, and we were snooping him, and we were watching him just keep going. And then he got to the Bard, he passed the web and puzzle. And he had been he, killing it the entire time. He had he had been killing everything, yeah. and so that's not the bard puzzle, Errol. It's the demon song puzzle. Oh, sorry, the demon, demon song. song puzzle. You're right. It's the demon song puzzle, and so he he passes the way. He was the first to pass the web puzzle, and we were very happy. And I think he was the first to pass Egner's puzzle, Dragon and Hobbies. Yeah, yeah. And we're going, oh, you rock. Then he gets the demon. He had a one hour puzzle. lead at that point. Actually, at Dragon Hobbies, he fi- he finished that an hour before anybody else even got to it, mm-hmm. and then he got to the the demon song and shut down and and just we watched people pass him and pass him and pass him and pass him we're like oh my gosh it's been four hours he hasn't got it yet and and so we, we really hope he doesn't know who made that puzzle that's oh. <laughs> well i'm it gonna was kill like, him <laughs> when arrow gave me snooping powers that was like the best day of my life and uh <laughs> it was, such a it was every Every morning, I would like regale him with the tales of who I snooped. I snooped you, David, at one point. Sorry, because I was just curious. I, I, I you don't were think I was watch, that though. interesting to watch. No, I you were Sorry. I literally <laughs> copied when I when I was going after a puzzle. I would copy and paste the entire text of everything into a text document, and then build out whatever I needed to into a spreadsheet, and and then work in there. And then I would pop in to open up a. Yeah, but I would like go to rooms and see who was whispering to each other and be like, "Oh, I wonder what they're saying." Snoop. And <laughs> anyway, so um, so but what ended up happening was like I ended up making a game of the finale, which was fantastic. It's like, who should I snoop? Who will? Who will? I want to see if I can catch them when they if they get the cryptex first. So I was like making bets on like you know, who would get each puzzle first. And I think I only got it right once because then suddenly somebody would announce the winner of the of the next puzzle. I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go snoop them now and see what they're doing. And yeah, no. So in the end, so Dr. Xor won. We had never met him before. He hops into Slack and he's absolutely lovely. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It was great to meet him. The one thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about because it was the one thing that I I was most regularly getting people commenting on about the, the was the difficulty um you know particularly because i was more communicating with the escape room people rather than the puzzle hunters um and that was the the thing that after the first six puzzles or so um it became a big stretch for for those of us who weren't really well versed in puzzle hunts uh and then the finale became kind of this just just behemoth um 
So was that always the intent to have that have this ramp up to uh, kind of MIT Mystery Hunt level challenge? Admittedly, the first pass of the finale was was a lot simpler. It did not have it did not have you saw the bonus puzzles. Yeah. So and it had Egner's dragon hobby, so that would have been difficult and it would have had the bard song. And that was it. Yeah. It would have been a lot simpler. It seems so. So yeah, that was that was the thing that caught pert for me. Per, um, I was, you know, I had kind of felt myself building up to the level of of the game that that was established in, on the pillar puzzles, and then and then again at the bonus puzzles. And then I started up um, Saturday, you know, Saturday at noon. I, I hopped in, and the the we the uh, the weaving puzzle. Um, I struggled with the extraction. Me and the uh, the crew that I was working with. Uh, but we got there, and we felt we were like, "All right, we got this. We're we're doing well." And then we hopped into the catacombs, and the scale of that, um, uh, and we we really got in our own way on it. But uh, we we spent hours on that, and then we got to the, the dragon tapestries, and my teammates were all kind of still still going for it, and I reached a point where I was like, "All right, I I I can't I can't anymore. Uh, this has been this has been fun." Uh, I was never going to win, uh, but I, th- I think I had I had saw I saw Tammy I saw Weiwa, um in Slack kind of despairing. I think they were trapped on puzzle six or something like That's that. That's the web puzzle. They were trapped and, uh, on and the I, web and puzzle. And I was like, if if they're despairing and they're like three puzzles ahead of me, that's my goose is cooked. I texted Errol that day and I was like, what are you doing to these people? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think. We because because we put those puzzles really quickly together. We also erroneously um, didn't suspect it would take as long. Oh, there was one other puzzle that was added. Oh, I completely forgot. It was actually we added. Alex gave us a puzzle, and so that was the swamp puzzle. Swamp. That also took some people some time. So we added a. We had lots of puzzles in there. Those poor folk. <laughs> I remember sitting there and I and I told my family we should go for dinner tonight, and it's like yeah, let's do it. Woo-hoo. Six o'clock rolls around. This is six hours afterwards. It's like okay, I think it's um somebody's bound to solve this, and 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 then I left at nine because because my family was really hungry, my poor family, and it got solved an hour and a half later at ten thirty, and so we weren't expecting it to be a ten and a half hour solve. Wow, we were in we were in Vermont for this with uh, with Lisa's parents and. Uh, they we went out for we went out for dinner i think at nine also and i came back and i was like did anybody win yet and i think it had just ended and i was i was just kind of dumbfounded one that somebody did it and two that it actually did take that long i couldn't imagine like the pressure on players too because we didn't have the scoreboard published so nobody knew how any like how they were doing as they were going along whether they were alone whether they were like way last who knows yeah and i know that there were points where i was messaging with different people and they were you know i this was after i had thrown in the towel and i knew i the first question i asked errol when i quit was how many puzzles are there and he said 10 and i was like oh i'm so happy i quit (laughs) and and then i started messaging with different people i think there was one point where i was messaging with rich bragg and he was on like puzzle five and was certain that he was like ahead of everybody and uh and and must have been on the last puzzle and i just didn't say anything Now he knows. Uh, I, I was just you could have told him. Your night is going to be long and full of terrors. 
I remember yeah. I remember Oni game at one point the Slack being like, oh, a hundred minutes till my nanny leaves. And yeah, I, 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 I saw all that. I was I was like, wow, good good luck. Okay, so does anybody else have any last stories or things they want to share? I um I became an alley cat during the game for just a short time, and I <laughs> I actually walked up and befriended a player. Um, and I have no idea who it is. The player's name was CII. I still don't know who it is, but I just started talking to her. I think it was a girl. I don't know, maybe not, but um. Uh, just started, you know, first I started off with meow, meow, trying to be a, like an NPC, and then I started saying, uh, you know, how are you doing with the puzzles? And they started interacting with me a little bit more, which was great, and they thought it was just part of the game, but then um, as I was following her, because I, I bound my character to her, so I would just follow her everywhere she went, and I apologize if it's a guy, sorry. Um, but then I noticed we were getting close to the cryptex shop and then the uh the fire pillar and <laughs> they led me right into the fire pillar and i i just died instantly <laughs> ouch oh man well i was gonna comment like i was amazed at how into the mud people got like and the number of requests that like i got a number of emails just being like or like someone would come up to me, pay me ten coins for a hint, and then just be like, "Okay, so I've used up all my training points, and I want to like change classes." And I'm like, "You do know it doesn't matter to the hunt, right? Like you can just stay as you are. You don't have to actually level up." They're like, "Yeah, I know. I just want to play." And I was like, oh, "Okay," and people were really getting into it, and I really enjoyed that. Like that a little community was forming and that people were making their own guilds and apparently you can make babies in the mud, which I didn't know was a thing until they started happening. Yeah, I started <laughs> seeing like in the mud, like, you know, uh, babies were born and I was totally baffled by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one boy. Don't you know how babies are made? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know how it happens in, either. Yeah, I, I don't know how it happens mud. in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing how how into it everybody got. I'll I'll share my my last my last story from this was uh, the the pig pen puzzle, um, which I me and my crew solved it in I think it was twenty two minutes or something like that, and I was absolutely ecstatic. Um, just ran you know just went through the puzzle as as quickly as I ever could have imagined, and. Um, I was refreshing the leaderboard repeatedly, waiting for my my name to pop up, and then I realized that I uh, I think my I came in sixty third, and I was I had this this moment where I, I initially I thought oh I must have been one of the fastest, and then I saw sixty third, and I was like wow that that's a blow, and then I <laughs> and then I stopped and I reflected on who else was puzzling, and I was like yeah of, of course I'm I'm happy it wasn't seventy fifth, uh, and. Uh, I, uh, all all of this is documented. I know you guys saw it. I made I, after the first pillar. I started making a, a a log of my experience in in Prexit Quest um, in the form of gifts. Uh, yes, it's almost awesome. It's, it's almost it's brilliant. Ex- yeah, it's almost exclusively gifts. Some of them are better than others. Um, but I started this about halfway through and kind of backfilled to the to the beginning, 
And uh, I published that uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Tuesday. So if anyone's interested in seeing uh, seeing that, that's available for you. Yeah, you definitely have to look at that. It's great. Yeah. Oh, speaking of the pig pen puzzle, uh, another fun little tidbit was that people were coming back and be like, so I killed the farmer. <laughs> um, is that going to... That was Darren. That farmer is he Miller? needed for the puzzle? Yes. <laughs> They killed, so there were like four dead Farmer Millers in there. <laughs> I was going to actually, and I wanted to make this. Errol was, there is, you do meet an Errol, and it is me, technically, in the mud. And I know I exist there as Errol, but there was going to be an NPC named Errol, and I did want to make him killable. And I and I gave him low hit points so people could, and then he would regenerate immediately, so you could keep doing it if you want. But but then I realized I would have had to change uh, this thing called puzzler mode. I made a, a a mode where you would not be able to see everybody else. This was to get around the instance problem. We made it because the biggest problem, the reason we wanted everybody to have instances, the biggest problem we had was all the text spam that occurred with everybody looking, leaving, dancing, flirting, everything that you can think of all in the same room. It was amazing while we stood at the at the beginning of a pillar and then at at 8 p.m. the 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 doors would open and then it was like Black Friday. We would see hordes of people. They all leave east, leave east, leave east, leave east and it was just scrolling and scrolling as all these people were just fluttering by it was insane the one time i did a pillar puzzle live really any puzzle um that wasn't a bonus and the bonuses had much much lower attendance especially at you know at 8 p.m eastern um but the one time i did was the pig pen one and i was i was baffled i didn't know how to i i was i didn't even really know how to work with the mud and i was confused with how everyone else was <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But, so that's um, why we eventually we tried to put in those those, those things, things to help puzzlers, so, so they wouldn't be overwhelmed by all the text. text. Yeah, that was a good call. All right, so um, I think that's going to be about it. I'm going to uh, take a moment and plug the uh, escape room tour of New Orleans that uh, Lisa and I are going to be hosting at the end of June. Dan Egnor will be among one of the people who attends. Hope he doesn't mind. Ooh. I just outed him. Um, we are currently sold out for the um, for the first bus. But Congratulations! That's amazing! Thank you. Most of it sold during pre-sale, which was a real shock to us, but we are about halfway towards being able to run a second bus. So if you check out roomescapeartist.com, up at the top in our navigation, we have a link to the New Orleans tour. If you are interested at all, feel free to shoot us an email. Um, we're trying really hard to drum up enough people to run a second bus and let all of the people who want in to, uh, to join us. And... Beyond that, thank you very much to the Divas for letting me uh, take over your podcast for the day. Oh, no, thank you so much, David. That, this made it a lot easier when we have... Because I think, I think these guests like respect you. When it's me, then all of a sudden they just ignore everything I say. So it's, it's awesome that you could be on. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to say goodbye so everybody can like you know take off your mute and Amanda's can so talk about. Oh, before, before we, we say go. goodbye, though, if oh, you oh. haven't yet done it, yeah, you can, can still play. play. You're right. Sorry. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is still going to be a draw for a second Crypt Hex, uh, and I think we're we're uncertain. We're 
a little uncertain due to the week of the delayed week for the finale, but there are going to be at least a couple of weeks left that you can play this and get into the running to to do it. So go to cryptexhunt.com to get started. Watch the video. That's where you get started. (laughs) That was a very common question. And yeah, take a look, get overwhelmed, hit Errol, whatever you want. So yeah. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Yeah, if you I'm, haven't I'm played, basically... you haven't really learned how to hate Errol properly yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm going to be giving away like all the prizes I have left too. So I have anything that's left over after the the original daily prizes were given out and the and grand prizes. I've got a bunch of T-shirts and mugs and chocolate coins and stuff. I'm going to give all of that away um, as part of the draw too. So there's not just the cryptex. There's lots of other things I'm going to be giving away as well. Oh. So you might win something. Oh, that's kind um, of fun as well. If you just can finish it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much again, everyone. Thank you to David. Again, I do want to shout out. He's not here. I'm talking about Scrabble, who's also Alex. He did. He helped immensely, especially since we went all night uh, trying to get ready for the, hmm. for the Saturday Saturday launch. I know that he and Stripe stayed up all night just beta testing everything. So a lot of the puzzle hunt couldn't have been done, but because of the dedication of the volunteers we had and, you know, all the authors that wrote that book. And I actually got another musician to write the Bard song. So I'm going to put all this in a thank you post, but that was amazing. Thank you again, David, for for doing this. And I think we could just happily say goodbye. Man pans, we won't have we won't try to make you crack. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. First Yay. time for everything. Room Escape, <laughs> Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just Murder. like this one. <laughs> you can also go to our Facebook page and click the like button, just the Room Escape Divas Facebook page. Come on, you can I need email a hint. us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. <laughs> And if you are on Twitter, you can use the hashtag REDivas. Yay! 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 <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.